Hello, and thank you for joining me today for Give Him 15 and the title of today's post. Next stop, the Shekinah glory. As I've stated this week, all of our DSM staff work remotely, with the exception of the product department, and do so from four states. This has worked well, both for them and the ministry, but since we are rarely together, we do a week-long retreat each year to build camaraderie and necessary team dynamics. This is that week. I have asked five leaders, all of whom carry God's heart for America, to do this week's Give Him 15 posts. They have been tremendous. And today's by my friend Larry Sparks is superb. Larry serves as publisher for Destiny Image. His book, Pentecostal Fire. Pentecostal Fire, available at Amazon, is without question one of the best I have ever read on revival. His contact info is included at the end of today's post. Larry encourages us that revival has begun already, challenges us not to despise small beginnings. Acorns become oak trees. This post will light a fire in you. And here's Larry. Hello, my name is Larry Sparks, and it is a joy and an honor to be doing a Give Him 15 Dutch. So thrilled to be taking part in this. Grateful for how this amplifies the word of the Lord across the nations. I'm the publisher of Destiny Image, and I am co-leader of L.M. Sparks Ministries. So without further ado, we've got Give Him 15. Today's post, next stop, the Shekinah glory. Tell my church I am reintroducing her to Pentecostal fire. Since the Holy Spirit gave me this mandate in early 2021, I wrote the book, Pentecostal Fire, to provoke readers to cry out for the fullness of revival in their lives and in this generation. Pentecost is an old-time word, but if we want to move into Book of Acts-level power, then I'm convinced we need to return to Pentecost if we're going to advance into the future. Back to the future. I recently made my own journey to Pentecost past. Like any good spirit-filled believer, I visited the Bonnie Bray House, which was the site where the 1906 Azusa Street Revival was catalyzed. Since I didn't have an appointment, I wandered outside praying for any insight Holy Spirit wanted to release. I laid my hands on the outside gate, praying, Lord, do it again. We need that level of a landscape-changing revival in our day. There's good news, though. It's stirring and it's brewing. Then, Holy Spirit spoke a very unusual phrase to my heart. It brought much clarity to what I'd been prayerfully processing in this current season of revival. He simply said, don't stop short of the Shekinah glory. Let me give you some context. Don't criticize the acorn because it's not yet an oak tree. 
when God is moving, we can fall into one of two extremes in how we respond if we're not careful. Number one, criticism. Number two, complacency. Criticism rejects present revival stirrings because the move of God is still in its infancy. Number two is complacency. This occurs when genuinely enthusiastic Christ followers claim that what's happening currently is in fact the fullness of the end time revival we have all longed for, prayed for, and cried out for. What's happening right now with Asbury, the campus outpourings, the Jesus Revolution movie, and all the prayer, worship, and repentance gatherings, it is the great end time revival. It's just an eggcorn size. Pastor Bill Johnson of Bethel Church speaks of revival beginning as an eggcorn, which ultimately grows into a mighty towering oak tree. It would be foolish to look at an eggcorn and treat this seed like it was already the mighty oak. It would be foolish equally to dismiss the eggcorn, rejecting it as false because it has not matured into adulthood yet. We don't reject an infant because he or she is not grown up yet. We celebrate every single step of the child's development. This should be how we steward revival in every phase. How will you respond to the trickle? We don't reject an acorn because it's not an oak tree. Likewise, we don't reject a trickle because it's not yet a mighty rushing river. Ezekiel's river encounter starts with a trickle in Ezekiel 47. The prophet recounts, Then he brought me out by the way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gate that faces toward the east. And behold, the water was trickling on the south side. And that's verse 2. How we steward the acorn and the trickle is essential as it reveals to heaven if we are fit to host greater measures of God's presence. Heaven does not seek the flawless, simply those who refuse to graduate from being hungry for more. What caused Ezekiel to move from a trickle to ankle deep and then ultimately fully immersed swimming in the river? A desire. A desire to keep moving into deeper waters. After he experiences the river in trickle form, we see how Ezekiel decides to move forward in, ver in the next verse. Going on eastward with a measuring line in his hand, the man measured a thousand cubits, then led me through the water, and it was ankle deep. He didn't criticize the trickle because it was small, nor did he camp out at the trickle, claiming it to be the full river. Ezekiel simply went onward because he was convinced that there was more. Don't stop short of the Shekinah glory. Back to the Bonnie Bray House prophetic word. Don't stop short of the Shekinah. Shekinah is a Talmudic Hebrew term that describes a profoundly biblical reality. God's Shekinah glory is his majestic manifest presence that visibly dwells among humankind. God manifested his presence in the Old Testament as a pillar of fire and a cloud. When he descended upon Mount Sinai, he came with thick smoke, lightning, and all manner of activity that the human senses could experience. 
The Shekinah was the holy presence of God that dwelt behind the tabernacle curtain beyond the veil. It was widely inaccessible to everyday people. One had to navigate appropriate Old Covenant priestly protocol just to be represented before God's holy presence by the high priest. Then the cross changed and shifted everything. How do I know the Shekinah glory of God is accessible to believers today like you and I? The new covenant in Jesus' blood grants us access to experience in fullness what those in the Old Testament could only taste and see in part. Pentecost, the day of Pentecost, was not a theological concept. It was a, res- it was a release of divine glory. Tongues of fire appeared visibly over the heads of the upper room company. The sound of a mighty rushing wind brought multitudes to see and to hear what was going on. The atoning work of Jesus dealt permanently with the veil of separation that kept mankind at a distance from that Shekinah glory. Now, this glory lives inside of you, and you have access to drink deep of its endless eternal riches. We may be witnessing a trickle of that Shekinah glory right now, but I believe both scripture and revival history provoke us to keep crying out and moving forward. God is not a concept or a theology. He is a person. I have a strange life scripture, I'll be honest. It's not, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, or Jeremiah 29, 11. Mine is Isaiah 64, verse 1, because it really represents everything that my heart burns for. Oh, that you would rend or tear open the heavens and come down, that the mountains would quake at your presence. A landscape-changing Holy Spirit outpouring is a theological availability. But what makes an available blessing become an accessible reality for us today? An Isaiah 64, one cry of desperate, constant intercessory prayer. Our intercession builds a bridge between theological availabilities and living realities. Isaiah 64.1 exposes a heart that is dissatisfied with head knowledge and theological concepts. Those are both good, but there's more. Isaiah 64.1 reveals one who knows that God's Shekinah glory is available and we cannot settle for anything less. Isaiah 64.1 is the appropriate response of a biblically literate follower of Jesus and a student of revival history. I pray that you consume enough Bible information and revival testimony to reach a breaking point where you can no longer live satisfied with good theology without longing for the living God that theology reveals. For that God to tear open the heavens and break into real time and space with his Shekinah glory. Oh, that the response would be as it was on the day of Pentecost. The onlooking masses would witness in awe, asking, what must we do? I believe God is moving powerfully right now, 
and he is stirring a cry in our hearts to cry out, to long, to yearn. God, tear open the heavens, come down. We burn to see that Pentecostal fire in our world today. And I have more about that in my book, Pentecostal Fire. Pray with me. Lord, tear open the heavens and come down. I've read too much to be satisfied with status quo. I've read too much history and I've read too much scripture. Everything I see in the Bible and in revival history reveals that you are the God who manifests himself. For the sake of a world under the influence of darkness, manifest yourself today, Lord. And Lord, here I am. Use me to move through. Any area of my life that is not compatible with hosting greater measures of that Shekinah glory, Holy Spirit, release the gift of conviction. I'm so grateful, Lord, that Holy Spirit lives inside of me. I'm grateful that I'm born again, but Lord, I know that there's more. I know that while I live here in the earth, yes, you live inside of me and you confirm that I'm born again. But God, I read about saints of old and they had Holy Spirit inside of them and resting upon them. And I ask right now that your spirit would rest upon me as he did Peter and Paul. Peter, where his shadow healed the sick. Paul, where he was so saturated by your presence that his clothes had power to bring healing and deliverance. God, I'm impressed that shadows and clothing could bring healing and deliverance. But God, I'm more provoked to know that it's possible to be that saturated by your glory. I ask that your spirit would rest upon me as he did Smith Wigglesworth, John G. Lake, and D.L. Moody, as he did the 120 gathered in that upper room at Pentecost. I love that you live inside of me, Holy Spirit, but while I live in the earth, would you rest upon me? I pray even now for a fresh baptism of Holy Spirit and fire. Father God, show us what it looks like to see an open heaven over my life, over my household, over my city, over my church, over a territory. Yes, God, an open heaven even over a nation. We celebrate the trickle. We celebrate the acorn. God, we bless you for every expression of revival that we are seeing right now. For Asbury, the universities and the campuses, the extended meetings. Father, we recognize it. The spirit of revival is truly moving in the earth. But God, we will not just settle. We will keep pressing on. We celebrate the trickle but we will contend for that deluge of your glory, our decree. We decree that the God who moved in revival, fire, and glory in times past will do it again. We decree that the God of the Great Awakening, the God of Jonathan Edwards, George Whitfield, who swept America with conviction, mass repentance, and societal transformation he will sweep America again. We decree that the God whose presence descended upon the tens of thousands gathered in the Kentucky frontier during the Cane Ridge camp meetings, his presence will descend again. We decree 
the Holy Spirit who fell like Pentecostal fire upon the Azusa Street Saints, manifesting his glory as a physical cloud that kids would play hide and seek in, where limbs grew back because of the thickness of his presence. We decree that Pentecostal fire will fall again. Lord, we pray these hymn lyrics written by William Booth, founder of the Salvation Army. Lord, look down and see this waiting host. Give us the promised Holy Ghost. We need another Pentecost. Send the fire today. Amen.